Good morning everyone, welcome to Real Life Church, uh, especially if you are a guest here with us, it's great to have you. If you haven't met me, my name is Stuart, I'm the leader of the church here. If you've never been amongst us before, just to say what we're about, to sum it up in one word, we'd say we're all about Jesus, we're all about making his name known, his name great. Um, and the church is basically made up of a bunch of women and women who met Jesus, had their life transformed, and live that out um, around them. Currently meet Sunday here at the Girls School and this will be the meeting and we'll get to the part of us. Um, what's going to happen today is all about the meetings. I'm going to speak in this time. What I'm going to the children to go out to their um, activities and age appropriate stuff. And after that they can come back in and we'll all be in here together and we're going to We hope to wrap up around 12, 12, 15. Do you have any point in the toilet stage just down this corridor you came into the left? Uh, also, if you get hungry or thirsty at any point, please go and help yourself so you can see a copy uh, and a donut. Um, I'm a primary school teacher by trade, so I'm used to movement and people getting out of the So, just go and help yourself. Don't sit there hungry or thirsty. Brilliant. Okay, you got Bibles? Uh, please grab them. Go to the book of Ephesians. We're back in the book of Ephesians. We've been studying the church for a number of weeks now. And we're just going to close out chapter 3. This morning. Let me ask you a question here before you start. How often do you pray? Is it daily, weekly, in a time of crisis? Only I found in life, the more people I meet and you get to know them, that even the most ardent, I would say, maybe atheist or non believer or even agnostic, when the chips are down and they pray, when they want something, something very bad, a crisis is coming to their life or a life of a loved one, family member or friend, they pray. I've even reminded of a quote from an old World War II veteran who said, There are no atheists in foxholes. Um, but when you know, you're going to fire, everyone kind of prays. And um, for us as Christians, prayer is absolutely vital to our our walk with Jesus, and it's what maintains our relationship with Him. And if we're going to be all about Jesus, prayer is a vital component in maintaining that relationship. But the Bible says some interesting things about prayer. It says that prayer is not easy. It says that we are to labour in prayer, um, which is fascinating. That choice of words. My wife's had two children. I've seen labour up close and personal, and it looked like hard work. From where I was standing, sitting in a couple of chairs watching. <laughs> it was like hard work. If anyone's kind of labouring, you know, they like crystal labour, it's not easy. And the Bible says we have to labour in prayer. It also tells us to be constant in prayer in Romans 12. We're something that we should keep on doing. It says in the same we should pray without ceasing. There's that kind of ongoing thing. And even that the great Christians of the past that we might read about that hold up those kind of Heroes of the faith, men and women, if you read some of their stories, you find their struggles in prayer. So even those that we might put up there as kind of super Christians struggle in this area um, of prayer. And the Bible kind of says the cause of search are recognized that it's difficult. Um, but the interesting thing about prayer is expressing desire. If you want to find out someone's priorities or anxieties, we need to look at how they pray, or listen to how they pray, or ask them what they're praying for, or listen to them pray in kind of a group context. Because what's there is usually expressed in prayer. And I know from my own life, when I look at what's kind of top 
my prayers and what I most often find back to expressing for me what's important in my life. And a couple of weeks ago we had Matt Parchers with us, um, who leads a main church officer, and he came here and told us about taking down the church and being important. He about the importance of prayer in my in that foundation. And what we're going to be looking at today is a prayer of the Apostle Paul in the letter. It was written to this church in Ephesus. Uh, there was a section at the end of chapter 1, one of his prayers. He's gone on and explained many things to the church that he wanted them to understand. And he comes to a point now where he is going to pray for them. And that's a fascinating thing to look at because we'll see what's on the heart of the great Apostle Paul who wrote much of our New Testament in the Bible. He was a very missionary and church planter and a hero of the Christian faith. And yet we're going to get to hear his prayers because he wrote it down and got preserved in the Bible for us to be reading thousands of years later. So the context of this is that beginning at chapter 1, beginning chapter 2, Paul talks in the first verses about what Christ reconciled the world without individuals, how God made us um, alive when we were dead and reconciled us to God. And then goes on at the end of chapter 2, where it talks about God reconciling the world of us as, as a corporate world, how God has created one new man in him, in his work, that he's broken down all the divine rules between mankind, ethnic and racial and cultural divide that would normally break us up and cause us to be you know, enemies of one another. He's now broken down because we are all in Christ. Actually, we are all on the same footing. We are all sinners saved by grace and we all stand with all God equal. So those old kind of things of the past have been broken down into something new in the church. Then we looked as we started chapter 3, we saw that God's grace in volume the gospel is a mystery that has been revealed to mankind. A mystery that was not known, that has been unveiled, that was that word that would have meant that the, the Jews and the Gentiles can now see what God's plan was to sum it up in the church. And Paul's kind of role was to make that mystery known, was to proclaim it openly so that both Jew and Gentile would come together and be the church, which is God's kind of plan. God's plan A, and there is no plan B. I want to bring men and women from all backgrounds, all nations, all kind of ethnicities and cultural divide and bring them together into the church. And then Paul is now, after launching into all that, is now going to pray. So if we find Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, it says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, in whom every family in heaven and on earth is bound. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength for comprehending all the saints with the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Okay, the big idea we're going to talk about here is that prayer is a response to what God has done in Jesus, and it's also a means of us getting what we've done, you get laying hold of it. So prayer is a response to what God has done, Christ reconciling what we looked at. It's also a means for us to take hold of that, to actually grasp that and understand that. And the prayer kind of is broken down into um, some component parts. The first one is the who. 
who Paul is talking to, then we have two requests that Paul makes, either the request for power or the request for love. Summarized up in a kind of a being filled with the fullness of God, and then he finishes with a verse of praise that Paul is kind of overwhelmed with what God has done. So we're going to look at this, and it begins with this um, bold access. Paul has been talking in previous sections about that we have this access to God by the Spirit. We can come boldly before God because what Jesus has done. And so he is now going to make these bold requests to God. And actually, verses 14 to 19 is actually one sentence. He wrote it in. So it's one, he's only going to have one request there. And it's one long sentence uh, that we can break down for our understanding. And it naturally flows out of Paul's ministry. Paul, one of the church in Ephesus, we saw that right back when we began, and we looked at the passage in Acts where Paul came, he planted this church, and he loves this church, and he wants good friends, he's writing a letter to help them move forward, and he's praying for them, and his prayer for them has flowed out of his ministry and his love for the church. And for us as Christians, what we love um, and we're working at in God to flow out of us in prayer. As the, the leader of the church, much of my prayer um, is devoted towards you and the church. Praying for you, praying for the church, praying for God with work, that people wouldn't become Christians, that we would grow in what we know of God, that God establishes us we're so small and we've just begun the journey. Um, so much of my prayer time is devoted towards you as a church. So I, as I was reading this and thinking, Paul is praying out of what he's working to and where his heart is. I kind of, I understood that. And I don't know what you kind of find yourself involved in the church life or what, what, what God is leading you to be serving him. But actually, prayer for that is almost just a natural flowing outward. And I think that's what God's putting your heart out for, what God could be served in that And for my prayer time, I'm praying for you. Um, a lot of looking at that, but um, being encouraged. So, coming to this um, passage, verse 14, it says, begins, for this reason. Paul said that right at the beginning of chapter 3. If you look at chapter 3, verse 1, it begins, for this reason. Basically, Paul started something that he, he, he broke off, and we'll be looking at the digression, if you will. He's now come back to where he started, because he wanted to pray for these people. And what he's praying into, out of the back of he's praying into the reconciling work of Christ. So we as individuals can have a relationship with God because Christ's death on the cross. We accept that, we have faith in that. Our sins and punishment for our sins are laid on us. We can become Christians. We can come to know Jesus. But out of that, for his praying for his people that they would kind of grasp that. So we're linking back to what's gone before. And he, he starts, first of all, by naming who he is praying to. Naming who he is praying to. And there's three things that he pulls out. There. And it's interesting that when you read from the prayers in the Bible, it's always you can actually address them to whom you are speaking. If you take the most famous one, which is the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus spoke to the disciples, how did that begin? Our Father. First of all, let's, let's, let's work out who we're talking to. When you do this, you're talking to someone, you usually get their attention or get their name, especially in a large context, get their attention and then you start speaking. Same with prayer. Paul uh, basically outlines who he is speaking to. And there are three things there. He's talking to a king, a father, and a creator. He starts with, I bow my knees. A more usual posture for prayer is actually the same. Often stood to pray. Um, and we want to do that. But actually, he's saying here, he's actually more unusual. He is bowing his knees. He is getting down. It signifies reverence and submission. 
reverence to the person that you are, kind of, you are addressing and your submission to that. He's showing his kind of his homage to the universal king. He's bowing down before God and when he was praying. And it shows the kind of almost the seriousness of what he's about to embark on. Often we can pray on the line because somebody comes up and we do a quick prayer. Sometimes we focus and devote time to prayer. And Paul is obviously doing this now, so he is getting down and kneeling to pray before the king. Um, he is also talking to his father. He talks about before the father. And this has um, a sense of intimacy. So we have the king, highly lifted up, sovereign, majestic, magnificent, ruler, one with authority and power. But he's also now just in thanking his father, it's a sign of dignity um, and respect and also intimacy. And uh, the kind of the, the wording he uses, the, the role of a father would be the, the kind of the leader of a family or group or a clan. And so he is addressing the father who is the father of all kind of people, you know, all the church, all the Christians, and he is talking to his father. So on the one hand, yes, it's the universal king. Also, this is his father, and um, any loving father would have the best interest of his children, his people, in mind, and father too. I have my son's best interest at heart when I, you know, with them every time that the and I want to do it. So, of course, it comes to a father who wants to do for his children. And then the final one there is creator. Remember, every, uh, every family on heaven and earth is man. He's talking um, about this, um, and sometimes it's about deriving his name. The idea being that the wording there is from a single ancestor. So you have a father who is basically a single ancestor all these people, both the creator, both the one who is the, sort of the beginning of everything, beginning of all mankind, was created by God. And we will come back to that. And even as Christians, in the church, the reason we are Christians, the reason when we were dead or now alive, with God in our life, not because anything we've done is smile on church. God by the Spirit worked. So God has created something in us and He's recognizing that power. So we have a universal king who is ruling over the earth. We have a father who is intimately involved with his children and we have a creator who is able to bring life out of nothing. And so Paul is addressing this one and what it kind of puts in mind is he is coming to this God to make his requests. And when you come to this kind of God, you don't make requests that only that God can fulfill. You don't make small significant requests necessarily, but you can make massive kind of world-changing requests because you're talking to someone who can do something about it. My wife asked me to go and get the milk. I can do that. I can do that. I know where the shopping is going more than I can going to buy the milk, but yet she wouldn't, you know, she wouldn't ask me to come, but for me to go and do something that, you know, shape the nation or transform the life, because I remember myself, I don't know that. But always come to be, you do so much, so many things. So we have him speaking to this God. Okay, moving on, verses 16 and 17. His first request, his first request is for power. Power. I went and saw the Avengers last night. <laughs> <laughs> and the I love something and stuff. And you've got all these the ruby powers, you know, the whole thing. All the lightnings and the technical super soldiers and super stuff and stuff. And all these kind of things. So when I, when I think of power, I think of yeah, I'm just sitting here and Spider-Man films coming out and I'll be like that. Yeah, one and all. But when we talk about power, we're talking about a whole 
from the very core of your being. It says in Corinthians that our outer self, our shell, is wasting away, but our inner self is being renewed day by day. So as our body kind of starts to grow and die, and becoming more aware of the new age approaches, you know, things are graying, and not quite as fast or as strong as I used to be. Um, and actually, my body is only wasting away, but my inner man is being renewed day by day, all the time that that part of you will be strengthened and grown. Because ultimately, that's an important part of all that I that body, if I would waste the life, be renewed one day, you get a new one. You get a new one. So, actually, care of the inner man is a priority for Christians, although she's not certain what it is, it's good for creating it, but we get a new one. But our inner man is going to go on and forward by the Spirit of God to strengthen the inner man. Because whatever's going on the inside is very outside of the mind. God's allowed to run from the heart. And God is praying for power and strength in that inner being. Um, and He's praying for anyone in your being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And there is a, a point there that the dwelling there, that dwelling of faith, signifies a permanent residency somewhere, uh, as opposed to a temporary place. In my life, I've had permanent residency and I've had a temporary one. My first experience is when I went to university. I left my permanent residency at home and I had my own room and my stuff. And I left um, and my first year I was in the residence and that was very much a temporary dwelling. You know, I had a few of my bits of people and I knew that within the coming year I had to get out. And it wasn't kind of hard at all. I had to sort of be, do lectures and the like. It was very much a temporary dwelling, but my, my permanent home was back with my parents. When I left university, Happened again that my parents were so I kind of lost that time. Um, I, I stayed with a family and found out who was and I kind of went to the room and I lost it then. But again, it was a temporary place, it was their home, I just lost it in a room. But then my home, we got married and I had a permanent dwelling with my wife. We were going to be together and it's been like that ever since. And what is he saying? It was Christ that dwelled in our hearts like that, a permanent dwelling, a permanent place that God is going to take up residence. And be there for the long haul. It's not a temporary thing, it's something that Christ is going to be there forever kind of situation. And if Christ is in the center of our lives, in that inner man, the power of God is there, Christ is dwelling in our hearts with faith. And He's in that, that kind of core of our mind and emotions, it will affect how we live. If Christ is ruling and reigning there, it will affect, He will rule and reign in all areas of your life. If Christ is not ruling and reigning there, then He won't. The reason. And so he's praying that this faith that they have, that Christ was dwelling in their heart, that faith would be increased in Jesus, not in themselves, but in Jesus, and there would be a growing revelation and understanding of that. And Christ would, they would trust him more and more, and as a result, we would affect their life more and more. And there would be a power to grasp and understand that. There would be a greater transformation, that there would be a greater understanding, that we would be kind of more and more become like Jesus. Well, I don't know if you realize this, but if you're a Christian here and you've the Lord for any period of time, you can reflect back on your life and see how you changed. If you can't, I was getting over something wrong, but I know that I'm far from perfect. But as I look back over my decade plus following Jesus, I see 
thoughts and attitudes and habits and actions and ways of feeling for people that God has dealt with time and again. And I've actually I've moved somewhat and I'm no way finished. Well, not really to start my life. But I am a work in progress. But I'm a work in progress. You can my language, one of the first things I, I could go over with the best of them. Um, some people still may swear around with that quite a no, don't worry about that. Um, but I've dealt with that, even attitudes that I had towards other people, towards women, dealt with in my life, I'm growing. It's all that, all the results of this kind of hard work in the life of God. And if you do that, it will transform you and rule over your life. And it's the key for us as believers that we would develop this ongoing relationship with Jesus, that we would grow in our faith. It's the one thing that God honors in the Bible in terms of the men and women of God. If you read chapter 11, the full of fame of faith in the It's always all these men and women who have faith in Christ and developed in the name of God. It's basically all hardships as well, but there was this ongoing, their faith in God, and used them time and time again, powerfully. And uh, we are to call the foundation of Jesus. It's actually our purpose statement of the church. Purpose statement of the church is. Uh, we believe your life is having a relationship with Jesus, number one. Following the model of Jesus, number two, and the transform my world into this number three. So it begins with having a relationship that results in transformed life with God's model, and then that results in transforming them around us by works to us to others. And I don't know where you stand with Jesus today when you have a first relationship with him. But I want to encourage you to investigate it to work on. If you're a Christian here today, I tell you, what are you doing with your development? Develop your walk with Jesus. Just like you develop any friendship or any relationship you have, what are you doing to invest in it? For me, there's a few things that I kind of do on a regular basis. Thank you. Um, I've got three things that I, I want to share with you. Um, then, and these work for me and they make work for me. Um, but I am journaling here, journaling 2012. And at the front I have a very Bible schedule, which is here. And I'm basically trying to do my 30 days to do um, the Bible section of my life. I'm trying to get to a problem of celebration. This is the best Bible I've ever found because any time I've ever been on the internet, you can miss something for nothing. All Bible readings land, I actually have a day, every day of the year. Terrible because you miss one for whatever reason you're sick or something, and suddenly you're behind. It's like, oh, I'm so demoralized. <laughs> so you can never throw it back because there aren't more days, do you? You can't have a day. So this one's only got 25, so I have this one. So I always start, I always do my Bible. I also journal, which is basically this one little bit, you know, what I've in my life. Sometimes it's about my own favorite, but it's pretty good. You know, it's like I'm going to spend my own time. I often just pray as a person I'm having a second one and share it. And then I also have um, quite a journey that you get to be one of those like really a week. It's basically just something to travel out of my life. I can only do my days with it, but I can only do it. I've got time, I've got my days, and some of it across the day there, because I'm just going to. It's not something that kills me, but I just got things I travel every day. My wife and uh, kids are the top every day. And I go to the other road, I'm going to go to the other road, and I'm going to go to the other road. Every family, every church, every couple of other people. And then the last time, for those of the 
the hull just keeps going down. Just, and the bigger the building, the bigger the hull that has to be. The bigger I've seen, I've been building on some houses. And they're not building anything yet, but there's some guy in a bigger, looking hole. There's a hole coming up, what they're going to put on the top. Um, the house of the flats. Before the second, I want that foundation to be low. Again, the image is, is, is the going down. It needs to be solid. The building is going to stand. It's going to test of time. It needs to have this foundation. It will not. Something will come along and just knock it. We have one moon, one storm, and then there's another one. And then the building just falls apart. It comes down. It falls down. You root it and ground it and found it on that rock. Stand firm, deeply dense. And what um, Paul is kind of saying as he goes on there, so when I've been looking so long, you have strength on the end of the states. And he's, he's saying that kind of comprehension. He's saying that you've got it, you know Christ God, because you're a part of the church, and you're part of what you've done, and what you are aware of. But he's saying, I want your understanding of it to deepen I want there to be a deeper grasp of it. And he's requesting this to God. So it's not an intellectual exercise. It's not something that you think, why do you plug down? It's faithful. It's actually, it's a work of the Spirit. It's the work of God Himself in our hearts doing something with us so we would understand it more and more. And I can testify that in my life, the longer I walk with the Lord, the more I am aware of certain things. Um, and one of them is God's love for me and for others. And God, God, when He often opens up my awareness of my own personal sin, and what that does Certainly, how wonderful His grace and mercy and love is for me. And over the years, I've had uh, more and more experiences of that. And happening a couple of weeks ago, I had a, a lady I worked with colleague at school, which you know, she's a believer herself, but she hasn't been in the church for a long time. She came here, I don't work with her directly, she's just in the school, so she's not working with her school. She was basically put out of the situation that she was in. I said, Well, I'm Do this alone. 
You cannot have a full understanding of it alone. There is to fully understand the love of God, you need to be with the saints. You need to be part of God's people in an active way. Not part of God's people because I'm a Christian, I stand with the other Christians around the planet. It's actually I'm actively involved in a community with other Christians. I'm part of a church. I'm getting stuck in because part of God, the way we understand God's love, is not just God's love on my life, but on your life, and how I treat you and how you treat me, and how we work together as part of the church. So there is a hugely strong corporate dynamic, which comes back to one of my great annoyances about Western Christianity, Christianity, is the individualism. We think I can be a Christian on my own, and the church doesn't, I'm not, I don't need a church. You know, but all these problems the church has, I don't need it, I can't be, not be a part of it. That's not what we're intending. You need to be part of the church for so many reasons, but one of them is to fully comprehend the love of God. You need to grasp it with all the saints. We need to do it together. Because when you hang around people long enough, they want you up. They annoy you, they upset you, they are rude, they insensitive to you, and most of the time they probably don't even realize they're doing it. But actually, if we're here rubbing up against one another, we have wonderful opportunity for God to display love in us and them as we work together and work it out. Feel what God's called us to, to love the unlovely, to love the annoying. And I know you're all now thinking of that individual who annoys you. But guess what? They're thinking of you. So go, we go both ways. Um, but we need to comprehend it together. And this love is something that surpasses knowledge. Um, and so it is beyond what we can um, fully comprehend. But we are moving towards it. It's something, it's, it's a sign of maturity that we have a deep and full of grasp as that life goes on. Because we are moving towards that. And we will know God fully. I've seen you face to face, we will have these removed bodies. Um, but at this point we are we are still grasping and understanding, but we are we are going to push all into it to grow in God, to grow in maturity. Come back to what I said, if you if you look back on your life as a Christian over the past five or ten years, how long it's been, and you literally say, I cannot see any change in my life. I, I, we flag up, we have the alarm bell to go off, what are you going to do about it? We're going to push into God, being part of these people, getting to our Bible, prayer, and being in a community so we can grow in that maturity that we can comprehend and grasp and understand all that is called to do. And it says there that we can feel the performance of God. If you are filled with rage, then rage will dominate your life. If you are filled with love, that will dominate your life. And it says here that we're going to be filled with the fullness of God. So with God, with God to the fullness of God, that will dominate our life. And that will lead to a godly lifestyle, that will lead to um, um, helping and serving other, one another, all the things that Jesus asked us to do. He didn't just ask us to do it as a part of the ticket, so we serve for hope and sick, help those in need, etc., etc. Preach the gospel, plant new churches. Behind all that, the root of that, all the performance of God, and have a relationship with Jesus, and that will be fantastic. And so we're called to be people who are full of God, full of the Spirit. And uh, of course, when I come on to that chapter 5, the, the, the present continues to mark. Be full of the Spirit. Be full of God. Have that relationship with Jesus that then overflows into life. And Paul, this desire of the church in Ephesus is that they are individuals and they are called for God. But Paul's already said that in chapter 1, that the church is a place that is almost a place of 
show you I'm acting correct. I'm, I'm realising the more I pray, the more God works. The more I pray, the more God works. Yeah. And so I just wanted you to pray that for yourself this morning and pray for God and then see what happens as a result. The second thing is in light of this, I want to gather us together as a church to pray um, on a day on Sunday the 27th of May. I'm now exactly what I like. I want us to gather um, at our place and just to spend some time praying. We give ourselves a round of solitude pray. I'd love us to pray at the church into kind of the next phase of what it's called. So it works for us. We've um, we'll grown to this point of kind of getting there to the future of Sunday. <laughs> and then we said actually, um, I'd love us to pray into the next phase. And I'd love us to gather to pray in the end. And seek God. And call on Him in Christ to work through us to do. There are things we are. That's the second thing. And the last one is we're going to have time to uh, get together. And I love to pray that one. We can pray for praise to God. We can pray for uh, requests that we have for God. We can pray for one another. All those things. But I love it. I haven't talked about prayer. 